We're all searching for it, or people. The ones you can call when you're at the end of your rope. The ones you ask for advice in a difficult stage or deciding on which jeans to buy. The ones who you share dreams and hopes with, who get you to the gym, and love your kids like their own. Motherhood was never meant to be a solitary role, and now it doesn't need to be. Here we discuss everything from our favorite kidisms, to mental wellness, to our best mom hacks and more. Mamas are world changers, and it's time to stop bearing that responsibility alone. So whether you're driving carpool, rocking a sleeping baby, or doing dishes, we're here for you. Welcome to the village. Hello, welcome to episode seven of the Village Podcast. I'm Missy Allred. I am your host. Today is going to be a little bit of a different episode. It's going to be a little bit of a rant and just things that have been on my mind that I actually have meant to do Instagram stories about, but I realized as I was kind of planning out what I wanted to say that it was going to be way more than just a few Instagram stories. So I thought I better wait and just make it a whole podcast episode because I feel that strongly about it. So if you've been around here or you follow me on Instagram, you know that I talk a lot about nervous system regulation and being a calm mom and loving motherhood and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, I have not been that. I have not felt that lately. It's been a really hard few weeks There's been some things going on in our personal lives that have made it a little bit more difficult because it's been so heavy on my mind. And I think just end of winter can get really hard as a mom with young kids because everybody is ready for spring and your kids want to be outside more. You want your kids outside more and they're not getting the movement they need and you've been cooping up for months and everyone's just ready. And I think that has a little bit to do with it too, where seasonal depression is hitting me a little bit. And I've struggled with that a lot and thought I was doing really good this year. And really I have been like, I made it till end of January, beginning of February before I was really feeling the effects. So that's progress, but it's absolutely a thing. In the psychology world, it's actually called SAD. It stands for Seasonal Affective Disorder. But it's a real thing where you're not outside, you don't see the sun as much, and it really does affect your mood. So that's part of it. But I have been feeling so much anger at my kids, at myself, at kind of just life in general. And I have not been the mom I've wanted to be. I have showed up with a lot of anger and resentment and I've yelled a lot and just not been who I know I am and haven't acted the way that I would like to and the way I have in the past. I know another factor in all of this is I have been spending so much time on my phone just scrolling incessantly where I feel like usually the time I would spend on my phone would be reading a book and even that I do a lot better but just endlessly scrolling. Oh man, do I feel it. (laughs) And then my kids get angry, dysregulated mom. And I just, oh, I've been feeling so crappy. And I know part of the screen time is I am avoiding feeling some uncomfortable emotions with the life stuff and really the seasonal depression stuff too of, I just, 
sitting and feeling those uncomfortable emotions is just that. It's so uncomfortable. And remember that our brains are trying to keep us safe. And those uncomfortable emotions aren't just something in our heads, but we have physical reactions to them. And so our body says this isn't safe. And so it tries to do anything to keep you safe. And that is why you usually end up scrolling or you emotionally eat or whatever other things that you personally do. For me, those are kind of the two big ones and I've been noticing it. And so I don't feel as good because I've been eating more sugar than my body's used to. And do you see like the snowball? (laughs) I hope you relate because it has just, uh, it's been a hard little bit. And I know so much of it is because I've been sitting here scrolling and avoiding all of it. And then I'm feeling a lot of guilt and shame probably more shame. Okay. So let's actually have a quick conversation because guilt and shame look very similar, but they're very different because one is considered dirty pain and one is considered clean pain. So my definition of that is clean pain is an uncomfortable emotion that leads you towards positive action where dirty pain is feelings and emotions that lead to either inaction or a negative action. So for example, if someone close to you passes away, feeling grief is clean pain. It is still painful. But if you're truly experiencing grief, there's going to be positive things that come out of that positive action. So something you might do is be spending more time with your family. You might look at your circumstances differently and have a little more presence and gratitude for the people in your life and the life you have. Or you might go outside of yourself a little bit more and try to be more like this person that passed away and live life like they would, right? It is pain, but there is positive action that comes out of it. Where on the opposite hand, if you are experiencing dirty pain, that might be something that looks more like anger. Anger is actually, oh my goodness, we can have so many conversations, but anger is actually more of a secondary emotion where it usually comes after clean pain. So usually you would experience grief or disappointment or annoyance before you experience anger, but anger is often that dirty pain. Because anger doesn't usually lead, sometimes it can, but it doesn't usually lead to positive action. So in this grief example, if you're feeling anger, you might be sitting there more going like, why me? Why them? This stinks. Everything's terrible. And you can sit and spin in that or not make good choices for yourself that are going to help you whether that's like we said, like emotional eating or sitting and scrolling on your phone constantly, like that's not helping anybody, especially you. So with me, I'm not just experiencing some mom guilt because of the way I have acted towards my kids and just showed up in day-to-day life. Because if I just felt guilt, I would rectify things with my kids, which I have been. And I would go out of my way to make sure that I spent more time with them and be more careful about my screen time and because I know that's what helps me, right? Where I'm feeling shame 
And the shame says, I am a terrible person. Guilt says I did something bad or something that I I don't like. Shame says I am bad. And that shame tells me I am a terrible mom and everything I do fails. And why should I be helping other moms when I can't even help myself? And I just have been spiraling. But I also have been numbing by going to my phone. And so I haven't actually felt any of the shame or the guilt. And it has just stacked on top of each other. Like I said, I really hope you're like, oh my goodness, I'm normal (laughs) because this is my brain trying to keep me safe, but it's been doing this for weeks and I haven't addressed it because in the moment it feels so much easier to avoid those really uncomfortable emotions. But here's the thing, uncomfortable emotions usually only sit in our bodies for 90 seconds at a time and then they move through and go away. Obviously, there's some that that come back or can stay longer, especially on that like grief spectrum. But most of these other uncomfortable emotions that we experience, anger, frustration, sadness, guilt, disappointment, they only last for about 90 seconds in our body if we will fully sit with it, let it move through our body, and then move on. And then it's over. But the thing is that we, we sit and numb it out. We start to feel it. And it's so uncomfortable that my, that your brain says, this isn't safe. This isn't safe. Let's do something to avoid this. But really it's just prolonging the inevitable. And so you feel bits of that uncomfortable emotion over and over and over again. And so it feels like it lasts forever where if you would sit with it and go, okay, I'm feeling guilt. I'm feeling disappointment. I'm feeling frustration. I'm feeling grief. This is what it feels like in my body. I feel it as a tightness in my chest, or I feel like it's knots in my stomach. I feel it as pressure on my shoulders. I feel it as a pain in my head. Sit and describe it. Okay, this is what this emotion feels like in my body, and just sit with it because then your body can let it go. Our body holds on to emotion. And when we don't let it go, it starts to affect us, not just emotionally, but physically. This is the process that I've been avoiding for a long time. And as much as it has affected me and as long as it's been going on, I know it's going to take more than 90 seconds to let it, to let it go. But I started today and was way more intentional about my screen time and I sat and felt things. I like to, I call it a black journal. I don't remember where I first heard the concept. I've heard it from a lot of different people, but personally, I literally have a journal that is black and it is only for my nasty, terrible, yucky, I'm so angry. I'm so frustrated. I need to get this out of my head thoughts. So what I do is I'll sit and write out whatever comes to mind. It doesn't even matter what it is. Exactly as it comes to my mind, I write it out. I don't worry about punctuation. I don't worry about making it look pretty. I don't worry about any of that. I just scribble out any thought that comes to mind. And I just get it out of my head. And if I can sit with the emotion that these bring up, right? Letting it move through my body. And then what I do is I scribble all of it out. So you cannot read a word. 
Another thing you can do here is rip the page out and burn it. What we're doing is we're letting those thoughts go. We're getting them out of our heads and then completely removing them so that there's not, they're, they're not staying in our head. And then what we want to do is we want to replace that thought because our brain will always fill the space. And so if we leave this empty space, it will fill it with whatever we have programmed our brain to fill it with. So if you've been thinking negative things, if you constantly see the negative and you try and get that negative out, which is really great, there's now this hole and it will fill it with the negative again, because that's what you've practiced. So if we can intentionally fill it with something positive. So I like to sit and write out what I'm grateful for. That automatically gets me in a better place because I'm now feeling gratitude and I'm seeing the good. And I specifically like to pick out things that I'm grateful for within whatever I'm frustrated by. So if I'm frustrated with one of my kids, I will try and write a few things I'm grateful for about that child. If I'm frustrated with something in my business, I will try and write out a few things that I am grateful for within my business. All right, so I've now filled the space. And just by doing this, let me tell you, it. I felt better today. My circumstances did not change. There were actually some major tantrums today. And my husband left out of town. And so my kids were missing him and I didn't have the backup that I usually would have at the end of the day. And I still feel like I showed up way, way better, way more as a mom I wanted to be. And I know I still have some stuff to work through because it has been seriously a doozy of a couple months, but I'm in a place where I can say, okay, I haven't been the mom I wanted to be all the time. And yet I still have had some really good moments and I'm working through it and I get to show up the mom I want to be tomorrow and in five minutes and all the time. That's the thing is we constantly get this chance to start over and yet it so often feels like we have to be these perfect moms and if we mess up, if we yell at our kids, if we freak out on them, if we're not consistently patient all the time, that you're a bad mom. And that's just not true. That's just not true. I think that's one thing that kind of bothers me about the gentle parenting movement and teaching, which I actually really believe in gentle parenting. But I also believe in I'm doing my best to be the best mom I can with the circumstances I have and with the knowledge I have and that I'm striving to be a gentle parent, but a gentle parent is not a perfect parent. A gentle parent is not a perfect parent. And I'm going to do my best to teach my children to be emotionally and physically regulated. And I'm going to teach my kids that big emotions are totally okay. And that we get to try different ways to, to show those emotions because some things are not an okay way to express those emotions. And not that I'm going to try, but 
man, what better way for my kids to learn that than to watch me work through it myself? And what a blessing that is that my kids get to see, oh, mom's not perfect. Oh my goodness. Thank goodness my kids get to see that. That I'm not perfect and that I keep trying and that I can apologize and make things right. And then I get to try again because if they can see that, that mom isn't perfect, then maybe I don't have to be perfect. And maybe I get to try again when I mess up and that I still am a good person, that I am still loved and valuable even when I mess up. Because if that's true for your children, it is absolutely true for you. So although I am a coach for moms, I am not a perfect mom. I still mess up a lot. I have so many tools to help me and I don't always use them. Sometimes I avoid them because (laughs) sometimes it's harder to use them and to sit in that uncomfortableness. And I'm also working on it. And I'm also trying again and tweaking what works for me in different seasons. And I'm going to keep showing up, not just with my kids, but with myself and to try and help other moms see that they're not alone and that they can keep trying too. And that to be a good mom does not mean they have to be a perfect mom. That if they're working on things, that if you're showing up and trying to help your kids and trying to do just a little bit better and making repairs when things don't go the way you want them to. That you are a good mom. I promise you're a good mom. And maybe that's my whole point in this is that I am so far from perfect, but I'm working on it and I'm still a good mom. And if I'm still a good mom, you are absolutely still a good mom. I may not have been quite the mom I want to be lately, but I'm so glad that I get to try again and that I get to teach my kids how to make repairs and to do a little bit better. And that if I still get to be good, even when I mess up, even when I mess up big, that they do too. That even when they throw the biggest tantrum in the world and they are screaming and fighting with each other, they are still good kids. That's actually one of the things I love about the gentle parenting movement is the language. Because if you remember back to what I was saying about guilt and shame, shame attacks your identity. Guilt is I did something wrong. So if we can tell our kids that they are good no matter what, they are inherently good people, good kids, and sometimes they don't make the best choices. That's the difference. That's the difference. So again, if that's true for them, it's true for you. And if it's true for you, it's true for them. And using that language, I think is so helpful for our kids to see that choice and identity are two different things. But the choices sometimes aren't the best, but we still get to do something about that and make things right and move on. Truly, I did not (laughs) think that was where I was going to go with that episode. But apparently that's what needed to be said. So you're a good mom and you have good kids. And even when you don't do things the way you wanted to, you still get to be a good mom. 
and you still get to try again. And what an awesome thing that our kids get to see us model that. All right, last thing is my magic of the mundane for this week. So we have a system at our house where when we see the kids doing good things, they get to earn a coin and put it in this little jar that we have. And every 25 coins, they get an experience with us. So we've done like the dinosaur museum. We've done family game nights. We've done, they won a Chick-fil-A one time. So we did that. So just some sort of experience they get to do with us. And it's actually been, I think, almost better for my husband and I to consciously find the good in our kids because there really is so much, but sometimes it's way easier to see the things they have done wrong. We told our oldest son that he could go put a coin in the jar for something he did. And he goes up to the jar and he's putting his coin in and he's like, I love making good choices and I'm still learning. And it was just the cutest thing. And it had just been such, like I said, it's been so hard lately, but like that morning in particular was not great. (laughs) It was not the way I wanted to start my day out. And it was just that moment of like, oh, something sank in. I'm doing something right. (laughs) Oh, our kids are listening. They really are. And I feel like you get those moments just often enough to keep you going and let it be known that they really are listening. They're internalizing stuff, even if they don't always act like it. Very last thing, if you are as done with winter as I am, if your kids are so ready for spring to get some wiggles out, I just released a guide and it has over 50 indoor activities that are specifically designed to help your kids get those wiggles out. So the guide is only $7 until March 1st, and then the price goes up to $14. So grab it now. But this seriously, just creating this guide has been such a blessing for my family, being able to practice these activities and kind of get them ready for you. So grab it before the price goes up. And I hope you love it and it's helpful for you this last little bit of winter. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. So message me on Instagram at the Missy Allred. There is always room in our village. So if you enjoyed it, will you please send it to a friend or leave a rating and review? Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss the next episode. Thank you for being here. I'll talk to you next week.